You're a crook, Captain Hook. In honor of Annie, what's the most annoying musical number involving kids? I'm Katie Rich, and I like Oliver more than most in that I like Oliver at all, but where is love is horrible. Hey, it's me, David the Seven, getting to know you from the King and I. Goddamn, just the King and I. I'm Matt Patches, and I should probably go with Dave's intro as my new answer, but... I'm going to go with my first answer, which was truly scrumptious from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, because jump off that cliff, you Aryan children. (laughs) Getting racial on this podcast. I didn't expect that. They are horrifying. They are (laughs) albino. I'm sorry to albino listeners, but oh my God, those children. Demons. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine. I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine, too, eh? Good. Then, well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's It's a podcast. podcast. Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 52, for Tuesday, December 16th, 2014. Today, we're missing David, and yet we still have a review, which is... uh, serves him right for missing the podcast uh who gets to read this week's review i'm going to read this review because i'm very excited um uh somebody by the name of patty wren left this review subject is this podcast is a sandwich also a poem and they write patches is the bread white maybe potato i'm pretty sure i should be offended by that holds the sandwich (laughs) together katie is the meat best when sliced thin and piled high I, is that a compliment? Ooh, that sounds. I don't know. Sounds very sexy. I'm gonna I'm assume sorry. it's a compliment. Um, Dave is the cheese, not essential, <laughs> but delicious when he's there. That's right. Good. And I greasy. Mean, <laughs> I need cheese. And da- David is the horseradish. Maybe the mayo. Controversial, divisive, but uh, an undeniably important component in breaking up the monotonous taste of modern sandwiches. <laughs> what does that say for the three of us? Jeez, uh, Louise. Sorry, this episode has no horseradish. This whole potato is thing is... not extreme for people these days? <laughs> I really hope I'm at least rye. I want to be rye during this episode, not potato. No. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Joanna gets a shout-out. Joanna is the chutney. Everyone wants her on the sandwich, but there's never enough of her to go around. True. She's not here, but she can can be heard on various other podcasts in our feed. Uh, and then uh, I respect and adore you all, your most ardent champion, Pat. P.S. Can David please explain his inclusion of two days, one night from his top 25? Is it still eligible for 2015? Why have you forsaken Marion, David? The world demands an answer. Luckily, David is not here to give a rambling answer on that, and he can be self-promoting his uh, Top 25 video somewhere else. Actually, what we well, should make him answer for this crime during our Top 10 episode, where David will actually have to explain himself and his video soon. So Yes, exactly. I mean, we, t- uh, Two Days, One Night may come up in other Top 10. Oh, so my. Stay tuned. I should it probably see not. it then. Yeah, Oh, maybe. boy. I want to know what to do. Wrapping up next week, our 2014 best of, hey, wasn't that a great year? Also, you guys are getting slammed with seeing all these movies, and I'm having to see all this stuff to catch up. 
And so I figured we might as well stop and uh, think once more about 2014 in television. Television is large in my life. I keep describing it to uh, my friends who don't really get why or when or how I watch television, that it's essentially my sports. All the focus that I, like a, a normal American, middle American, would just American anywhere. I shouldn't have said Whoa. that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a normal American political. Would, put in, would put into sports or whatnot. Uh, following the favorite players of their team and the movements of their f- favorite coaches and uh, the week-by-week breakdown. I um, like to do that with television. And I think 2014, we had a lot of interesting ways to view television, uh, some like big milestones in my mind. Um, I-, I could just... The one thing I could remember is that when Community managed to survive and get transferred off to Yahoo!, I, it sort of solidified in my mind that there hasn't been a television show that could make a really good argument for itself existing that hasn't been like resurrected in the past couple of years. So I think. Wait, wait. That's not, that's not entirely. A lot of things have been resurrected, but not everything. No, but I mean, the things that didn't get resurrected either like had a too small of a fan base or weren't like critically lauded enough. There's some sort of threshold where if you could get a dedicated enough audience and the quality of your product stays consistent that I think you could make a television show unkillable now. I think we might have crossed that Rubicon in 2014. Well, sign my Rubicon protest. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm trying to get Rubicon back on the air. And Jericho. That's uh, that petition's still flying around. So. Well, yeah. that's peanuts, right? That's where we're okay. supposed I to think sell. That was, I think that was peanuts. <laughs> but it's the interesting thing because Yahoo picked up a uh, community and it didn't really change its budget because Yahoo wanted to get into the television market and this was the easier way to do it rather than try to develop a competing streaming service, which used to be like the way out. But Hulu and Netflix and HBO Go have locked all those things down. So now the easiest way is just to spend a fraction of uh, your budget if you're something like Yahoo and huge and just buy a TV show with a your type of audience that you want to cater to or your specific type of advertisers. And you're going to recoup that money because you're going to be able to spread your ad buys over your entire internet media empire. So, you know, I don't know. Doritos. At least they're thinking about quality and storytelling when they're doing well, this. They don't have to think about it, and then it gets plopped back in the creators with, like, much less interference from what I understand now that they've, I think, just wrapped production on their 100th episode. Um, wow. That, God, um, who in the world would have thought Community would reach its 100th episode? That is so crazy. Yeah, and it's just sort of constantly being kept afloat by this uh, fan interaction that's been going on around it, even with... Uh, somebody else running it and everybody sort of agreeing it wasn't as good as it used to be. I think we talked about that even. I think we did. Uh, so what's, what's unclear to me with something like Community, I mean, Community obviously has its devoted fan base, which is why Yahoo picked it up, but this whole multi-platform thing, and we've talked about this in various forms, I don't, I don't know that it's going to be good for consumers to not ever really know where something is available to you. It's so hard even to find things that are streaming online, whether or not they're on Netflix or Amazon or something like that. And when television, I mean, the main way that you're going to consume TV shows is so scattered everywhere, I think it's going to be really hard to keep track of where everything is and to know what's I available to you. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I Maybe I was on that page at one point, but now that I have an Apple TV and all the apps are there. I don't really see it being that different than different channels, right? Or if you don't know what's on what channel, and there's no like... Yes, you do, because you I only mean, watch what you care about. There's no channel surfing anymore. Yeah, but like, if I, if I can't remember if Transparent is on 
Amazon and I look for it for 10 minutes on Hulu and get frustrated, then like... Then you're an I mean, idiot. I guess, you just, I guess you Google everything? <laughs> like, I don't know. The, yes. The, 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 like, but availability windows are another problem. Like, at some point, Transparent probably won't be available on Amazon all the time because there's, you know, all these different windows of what's there. I mean, maybe it won't be mm. that way because they own it. But, you know, I was watching earlier about how everyone's kind of doing their Netflix guides because things expire from Netflix all the time. I don't know if they'll do that with the rest of development at some point. I don't, I don't know. It seems complicated in a way that doesn't seem entirely worked out yet. And I don't doubt that it will. I realize that this is the future. But I feel like next year might be even more confusing than now when it's like, is the affair on Showtime or is it on Stars or is, you know, suddenly Bravo doing original scripted programming? It's it's getting messier. I hear your concern for that, but I also feel like if I asked even a fan of uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when the show was actually coming back. Oh, I don't mean when. I just I just mean where. Like, oh, obviously, like on where. demand. Like, that's that's not a problem. I don't know what time anything is on. Well, that doesn't bother me. Patches, I think we have an interesting counterpoint with the way The Legend of Korra has been handled in its <laughs> final two books this year. Uh, leaking and having a whole bunch of episodes broadcast on television and sort of dumped and then being pulled from broadcast altogether and became an internet-only release. And then for these last final weeks, they've done an internet release and been broadcasting on the Nicktoons channel. And that seems like something where, I don't know, I hate to say that like the event was like, hey, here's where we could find our new uh, story this week. And we didn't know like how much story we'd be getting. But it definitely, I guess, changed the texture of the season for me. And, like, just because that's the first time I think I can remember that distribution uh, really messed with the story flow in a way like that. Since probably, like, Firefly had its episode number I feel like shuffled. the Nick maybe ran into this problem, too. Just like It was just too quick. Is, from, no, from air dates? just, like, where is the Nick airing or when is it oh. airing? And for some yeah. reason, it seemed like it took forever for the Nick to come out. Am I being overexposed to the, the binge-watching dump? That, like, I, I couldn't of. believe that the Nick took three months to unravel itself. Um, well, the Nick, the Nick was basically only making it, was only exposing itself to viewers and picking up audience from reviews. And critics were provided with eight of the ten episodes in the very beginning. So there was this crazy huge gap where you felt like it had been out there forever and then it was dragging. Yeah, maybe that's a problem, but, like, fueling if you don't critical have stars, response with eight episodes so early and not kind of locking critics into the week-to-week cultural conversation. At least when you're not going to have, you know, people viewing your network and seeing ads for the Nick and realizing that, you know, being able to promote it in other ways because, I mean, Patches, did you watch the Nick on Stars? How did you watch it? No, I watched it. I had a screener copy because I was writing about it. Yeah, I mean... So I'm privileged. I'm checking I don't that. know. I mean, I don't know how <laughs> most people watched it. I, I would assume there was a decent amount of piracy involved in the people who did watch it. And, you know, who knows to what extent Stars cares about that. HBO is kind of famously not that concerned about people well, that, sharing Well, the other HBO confusing passwords. part was HBO released, I think... Oh, wait, no, it the... wasn't even Stars. It was Cinemax, see? Yeah, it was Cinemax because the, the first episode <laughs> air was on HBO Go, which started confusing That's right. people. Um, but it, I, I imagine some people signed up for Stars. I mean, Cinemax. They accidentally signed up for Stars. <laughs> and then we're like, what the fuck? Why, why did I get Stars? Now I'm watching ba- uh, Banshee or <laughs> bullshit, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, Everyone listening, I'm curious about how people watched The Nick. Be honest, uh, because I think it kind of got swept up. You know, it was still a huge part of the conversation this year. Um, but I don't know if people were watching it week to week. Uh, not like True Detective. Or something like that, which really felt like the the week to week phenomenon, well, and, or and Game of Thrones. 
The well, True Detective was able to build off of Game of Thrones in that there were so many people already paying attention to Game of Thrones on a week-to-week basis. They really they couldn't have done True Detective a couple of years earlier if they didn't have something on the level of Game of Thrones to be drawing people back every week. Right. I mean, kind of the way that Breaking Bad took forever to build people up because they no one was looking to AMC for that kind of thing for a long time. I don't know what it was about this season that got people... I felt like there was more chit-chat about the television shows, maybe because they were disasters in the making. I'm thinking of, like, Gotham... And The Flash and, like, a lot of the network stuff seemed to up its... I don't know if it's upping its game, at least just upping its profile. Um, even, like, Blackish, the sitcom, uh, or Jane the Virgin, we were talking about before the podcast. These these shows seem to be popping more. There's just so much of it. I really can't, and I can't handle it. Like, I don't know how to watch all these television shows. Can Can television really be having a renaissance when there's too much stuff? I mean, I, I'm overburdened by the amount of movies that come out each week, and uh, now I television, I can't even do it. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the benefit of the way television airs, the way the way television airs, in that you have these long gaps. Like right now, we're in the mid-season break, and you have all of your holidays to sort of read reviews or listen to podcasts and be like, what did I miss this year? Do I need to go back and check out like Blackish or Jane the Virgin? Or for me, I need to pick up some episodes of The Flash that I just sort of missed. But it's built in a sort of way where if you want to stop and sort of catch up on the new, as long as you have a little bit of time to spare and you know where it's going to be, that's definitely much more possible now than it's ever been before. Somehow I found weekly time to watch john oliver's show like the next monday morning or whatever or i still have been watching i've really picked up with daily show and colbert again um because i have the ability to watch hulu at lunchtime and that has changed (laughs) my life um and i'll be sad to see colbert go i've actually become maybe a bigger fan of daily show and I'm, i'm disappointed in all the think pieces that are kind of championing John Oliver over The Daily Show because they serve two very distinct purposes in my mind. There's not really one better than other. I'm just glad all that satire is out there, especially now. Maybe that helps me stomach the real world better than the fiction that's happening. Yeah, I mean, we're in a really lucky period that we can, I mean, Colbert will be gone very soon, but sustaining Colbert, John Oliver, and The Daily Show at the same time is a, you know, lucky break for all of us. That's true. And I just want to end by saying Hannibal, still probably the best show this year. I think oh. so. Is it coming back? Is it a? Is it still a show? Uh, oh yeah, next next year it's coming back, <laughs> and Jillian right. Anderson's been at it as a regular finally. So uh, and uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it good for all the reasons I've said about before. But I didn't want 2014 to end with reminding people that that happened. You, and you it keep was saying really, 2014, really and I keep thinking about 24. Live another day, which also aired this year. <laughs> yeah, that happened. That was good. That that was very strange. Minus the CIA torture. Every holiday season, there's one toy everyone has to have. I want the Turbo Man action figure with the arms and legs that move, and the Rock and Roll jetpack, and the Boomerang shooter. Getting it is every child's dream. Whoever doesn't can be a real loser. Finding it. You got the doll, right? Is this father's nightmare. I'll get that toy. I promise. Whoa! Nothing like waiting till the last minute, I would say. Especially on Christmas Eve. You're crazy. 
Christmas spirit. The last one just left. Now, it's two fathers. This is war. One mission. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> and every man for himself. I'm thinking maybe, though, know, we could join up as a team. You know, like, like Starskin Hutch. We're well, late delivery of Turbo Man at Toy Wars. Let's go. So, it's time for another round of trivia. And, like,. <laughs> Sounding more excited. You sound like David right now. All right. Um, so it's time for another <laughs> round of trivia. Woo! Last time it was the holiday, it was Halloween, and I did Disaster Piece. This is probably in bad taste, which was about American disasters and cinema. Since this is December and you're supposed to buy things for those you love, this is called cinematic consumerism, and the answer will be a product from the movies. Each for person. For a second, I thought you were going to go with because it's December. We're going to do Pearl Harbor. No, <laughs> that would be wrong. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it depends what the it trivia probably game comes is. Up. Patches. <laughs> if we've learned anything on this show, is we can't cross any lines with trivia, apparently. So no. that's where I'm going to be spending a lot of my time. Katie, you're going to go first. There's going to be three questions for each of you. There's not a tiebreaker, so it's possible to get this end this in the tie. But so I you tell me we'll the see. product, and I tell you the movie, or the other way around. I'm going to give you a question prompt. Sometimes they're facts. Sometimes they're little things. Sometimes it's just very direct. You're, the answer is always a product or brand. Okay. All right, here we go. Question number one. Hi, kids. We're home early. This cassette tape product helped Kevin fool Tim Curry in New York. Ooh. Oh, talk boy. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. I had a talk boy. I had a talk boy. <laughs> we had a talk boy, too. Used it. I think I also did as well. Patches. Yes. This dessert product that originates from the ground kills Charlie by exploding out of him in a radio booth. Oh my god. Um, 30 seconds. Is it the stuff? It is the stuff. Oh my god. Yes. Wow. Yes. I told you. uh, Dessert product. I told you before the podcast that all my answers were going to be slush show, so I'm sorry that I didn't stick to that. That wasn't it. Well, you didn't want to lose immediately. I had no idea the stuff was a dessert. It is a dessert product. Goes on top of desserts. Kind of looks like sweet, but it also kills you. It does look like Fluffernutter. Fluff's the real life stuff. Hey. That ad campaign probably wouldn't work. No. But <laughs> All right, Katie. Yeah. This is the name of the toy Arnold Schwarzenegger needs to get in Jingle All the Way. Oh shit. It's a real toy? I guess you can't answer no, that. No, it is only from oh. the movie. Oh crap. That does yeah, then not I definitely help. I talk boy. <laughs> <laughs> talk boy. No. All of my answers are talk boy. The answer was Turbo Man. Yeah, I've n- have you seen Jingle All the Way? Yes. Yes. I have never seen Jingle All the Way. He fights with like the life-size Turbo Man, and they have like the jetpack showdown. Jake oh, Lloyd. Okay. I, re- I feel like I remember that from the trailer. Annie, little Annie. What? Never mind. All right, patches. Yes. Oh, wait, hold on. Katie did not get that point. I just I gave her a point, point, just being like, "Don't hey, give me point that point." point. All right, don't, patches. Don't don't coddle me. And since the <clears> IQ uh, twenty-one scandal has, it. never mind. <laughs> this one, this one's a learning question. So even if you get it wrong, we all learn something about oh, cinematic yeah. history. Good. <clears throat> New New Coke debuted in 1985. So did Back to the Future, which chose Pepsi and all the other brands that appear in the film because their logos didn't significantly change between 1955 and 1985. What gas station brand stays the same in universe from 1955 Jesus. to 2015? Um. 
I am going to go with Texaco. Texaco is correct. Yeah, I can't believe that. I always remember it from the second one because I think the machine says like Texaco as it's like washing. I remember the self talk boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Katie. Yeah. The Mars Company rejected Universal's bid to use their products in a 1982 film about aliens, but Hershey's was game, leading to a 65% profit boost after this candy became the favorite food of the movie's main extraterrestrial. I'm pretty sure that's Reese's Pieces. That's correct. I tried to couch yeah. that as much as I could. And <laughs> I know. That was actually the first thing I thought of, and I was like, okay, products. What can I remember? And I thought about Reese's I Pieces. think you could, if you were just like, it's a sweet eaten by an alien. <laughs> you still get it. It would probably be from Mac and There's me. no way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope this next question is about Mac and me, because I'll get the product of that one. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's not. Oh, McDonald's. Patches. Oh, okay. For the final question... And to win, otherwise, you know, Katie and you are going to tie. Oh, boy. A Michael Caine, Benny Hill 1960s heist film was remade in 2003 with Mark Wahlberg and Ed Norton and led to the redesign and popularization of this car. Yes. Okay. It is the Mini Cooper. That is correct. Yeah. Patches for the win with the Mini Cooper. I never win trivia. It is the Italian job. Thank God I am a pawn of conglomerates. Finally, it's paying off. Corporate Patches has found his moment. Potato Patches. Damn it! (laughs) Wonder Bread? Sponsored by Wonder Bread. Hello, listeners. It's Dave here. Uh, This segment of the show is about the Sony hacks, but was recorded before the most recent threats against theatergoers seeking out the interview this season were made public. As such, the following debate treats the subject as primarily an entertainment journalism story, not as a story about very real international terrorism. Thank you, and enjoy our take on the Sony Hacks. So in early December, I think December 2nd is the first time they uh, something somebody noticed someone was wrong. Sony uh, Pictures Entertainment in America has been the victim of hacks from the... What what's the name of the Defenders of Freedom or some no, such Guardians thing? of Peace? Guardians of Peace. That's it's right. G- I know GOP. it's GOP. Yeah. Yeah. It was just hilarious. Uh, which threatened uh, them that uh, they'd had some. They'd been perpetrating some wrongdoing. Apparently, according to an earlier email that has now been made public, uh, it has to do with the release of the internship. Uh, and the hackers are from North Korea. North Korea has not responded to this. Uh, favorably by taking credit for the hack. Instead, they deny it, but do admit that they would rather the interview not be released. Um, Included in this hack was a whole bunch of uh, personal information for freelancers and employees, as well as celebrities that Sony did business with, uh, some actual movies that were released, uh, probably most notably Annie, because it was the movie that had the potential to do the most box office uh, worldwide and then got released onto the internet, and a whole bunch of emails which have led to a series of other scoops and a wide internet debate fanned, ironically, by Aaron Sorkin uh, on the eve of his final newsroom about uh, ethics and uh, journalism. Uh, that uh, apparently there's a certain there's a differentiation between a hack like this 
uh, a hack like, um, you know, Edward Snowden the NSA files and a hack like Jennifer Lawrence nude photographs. And everyone's trying to figure out exactly where that is and what, if any, information here is in the public interest enough to justify something like a NSA Pentagon Papers defense, which is really difficult to make in the entertainment industry uh, sphere. Yeah. But yeah. not necessarily that far off because we are dealing with multi-million dollar companies. So there's some stories such uh, that I've read this week that I would completely dismiss as frivolous, such like, uh, you know, jokes about Obama between studio heads. But then there are other things like emails between major studios about trying to stop internet traffic uh, and to stop piracy that does sort of seem in the public interest. So now we're stuck in this weird gray period where all the information released isn't relevant, but that's the nature of a hack. So where where do we go from here? Yeah, have you read about uh, Project Goliath? Which is That's this... what I was, yeah, kind of inferring to. Is that the, wait, what is that one? I haven't read about that. Dave, can Patches. you can you explain oh. it? No, after oh. you, please, God. It, uh, I mean, it has to do with with SOPA and with regulating internet and basically killing Google or like contending like, with them. Project Goliath sounds like something from a Roland Emmerich movie, so I look forward to hearing about it. It's a way of sort of uh, making it harder to find pirated materials by blocking certain search terms it is sort of like a sopa thing in terms of i think dealing with bandwidth i'm still sort so of they parsing. were working with like with like comcast on on this well it looks like it's the mpaa and sony and a couple other studios i only read one or two reports about it it seems to be fairly recent news basically these hackers are sort of dumping huge zip files of information and uh, to certain reporters and these reporters then have to disseminate it or their torrents of different materials. Are they dumping them to reporters or are they just dumping them on torrents and then reporters are I believe that them? is the case, yes. I don't know that, if there's any reporters who would say they're working directly with the hackers. Correct, correct. Right, I don't think anybody is thinking, yeah, that there's a direct one-to-one -one connection, but that that being said, it's it's weird where certain things have been breaking in response. Once again, I don't necessarily know, but it seems like, you know, the uh, Wall Street Journal was really quick to find a lot of incriminating emails, whereas other places have sort of taken their time to look through other parts of the emails. Like the Channing Tatum emails didn't come out for a while, but yeah. from how I understand the emails have been released... It's not like we have a new block in the past three days. I think it's just, it's like a weird, a weird sorting. I don't know. I guess that's where I would ideally want the journalism to take place is, is in the sorting through of documents. But I don't yeah. know. And finding things that argument. matter that the public should know. I think the big problem here is, I mean, number one, I the Sony hack is bad for movies. Okay. I, I really don't. I haven't enjoyed watching any of this go down. I mean, today we saw the last scene from the interview. Gawker ran it. A clip of it that's watermarked that it was part of the, the hack. I mean, just there's all that's, sorts of files. and That's insane. That stuff well, is I mean, bad okay. for movies. And all the, right, devil's advocate. There's a newsworthiness to it in that the content of the interview is possibly the reason for the hack. Do you think that's a reason to have posted it? No. No, well, here's I the, don't. I don't. I think... Uh, what you're saying by newsworthiness is is actually just clickbaiting. It is getting the monetary, uh, the trade off for having like put, being the person to put it out there. 
I mean, people will click on it and people will benefit from it, but there's no benefit to the public knowing any of this stuff and exposing it. You're only amplifying the malicious intent of these hackers, and it will happen again now that they've been successful, that journalists have propagated this information across the internet. People will strike against other studios. They will... This will hurt movies in the long run. But do I think there's been benefits like what Dave was talking about with Project Goliath? I mean, there have been there has been information coming out of the Sony hack that is positive that people should know about and that should be reported. But I think the major difference here is anyone comparing this to like Edward Snowden leaking CIA documents is out of their mind because yes. you should watch Citizen 4 and you'll know why people are out of their mind making that comparison because Edward Snowden took these documents. He went to a journalist. He says, vet this stuff. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. I don't want to, you know, nothing that hurts innocent people should be put out there. Please go through all this information and tell people about the stuff that is wrong and keep the stuff that is not bad or just would hurt people to have it all out there. Keep that behind closed doors. Keep that confidential. That is not what is happening here, and we're basically watching what would happen if Edward Snowden just put it all out there. And it's hurting so, a lot of people. Like, is Amy Pascal, who is the co-chairman of Sony Pictures Entertainment, a bad person? No, she's actually a really smart woman. Her career is over. It's over. You think her career is over? It's over. There's no way you come back from this. There's no really? way. You have to excuse yourself. After this is all said and done, she will retire. It's she not will like be it was on her. It's not like it was her fault that this happened. It doesn't matter. She wasn't in charge of their. There's IT too security. many embarrassing things. <laughs> this racial element think, is, is I mean, an that, embarrassment. That racial element thing. How do you is stay? Like, it's dumb, but it is such a dumb controversy. It's dumb, but that doesn't. Dumb things are what ruin careers. Not no, I know. You know I mean, do you think Scott Rudin's career is over? No, he comes up like an asshole because he's a bullheaded like, man. That That's the problem. Well, Oh, oh my uh, god! Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's all about who's digesting it, right? Because what Patches is talking about is usually it's also not when a you company. Do these things, good. Uh, yeah, no, when I was you just do these say, things, yeah, he's right. not a company, yeah. which is why he would not lose his job because people want to work with him. But now Amy Pascal is, is tarnished, right? And, and it's like now that these things are just sort of dumped out there and for wide use, isn't there? I, I think like there's a certain degree of responsibility for it for certain uh for like the the golden retrievers amongst us to point towards the carcasses you know after responsibly sifting through it but you know don't you also just get these sort of weird feedback loops that turn into getting Amy Pascal fired not because i think that would happen because of, or having the step down not because i think that would happen because of like public opinion like she would get forced out but it's basically like having your boss read your emails like those are things that she was doing to like get business done in deals that involved millions and millions of dollars and regardless of how you're i don't know racially or jokingly portraying yourself and how the paparazzi or the uh, paparazzi the american sort of gossip press can turn that into the story the reality is is that sony hasn't been making any largely profitable movies now and all all of a sudden the like messy how they make the sausage is what's so actually in the public sphere perfect yes perfect metaphor there how to make the sausage like i would urge people to resist reading any of this stuff because you don't want to know how movies are made you want to watch them right and and you want to have that baggage of the making of them uh, you don't want to be part of that Wait, process. you don't ever want to know how movies... I mean, I don't... Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't think I have the right to know how these are made. I don't think that the fact that... I don't think it's my right to read these as they are out there. But I find that all the back and forth and name-calling and David Fincher trolling people in emails, I find that fascinating. I don't. Like, any book about There's this no stuff... There's no way Jobs 
the movie, this biopic of Steve Jobs that comes out, comes out clean. Like, how no, can oh, this happen? But that doesn't mean that learning how Hollywood works isn't interesting. Like, there are so many books about, you know, the classic era of Hollywood where people were writing, you know, telegrams that were exactly this nasty. I mean, there's a huge difference in that and the yeah, but that was the and past. how they released. This is the future. I know. Uh, hang on. But I'm saying that, like, at some point, those this was all going to come out and it would still be interesting. I, I, I think it's valid things to read. But the fact that it's not legal makes them not valid to read. But I think learning how the sausage gets made is not a bad thing. I don't know. This is like Biff getting the um, <laughs> the almanac and bringing it back to 1959. <laughs> uh, I just, I just uh, think it's But, like, it's Sony isn't making the Jobs movie. Like, the Jobs movie that they're talking about is not going to be the same movie that Yeah, but exists. everyone thinks it's a disaster. So now this is impacting... No, no one thinks it's a disaster. They were having a hard time casting it. It was a disaster in their hands, and Scott Rudin walked away with it. It's more like that story is interesting it, to me is like it, it, the background story of how, you know, Jobs v. Cleopatra ends up putting people. And I've also read like analysis of it where it's like Rudin's just sort of devaluing Angelina Jolie as a bargaining piece. He doesn't like actually believe these things. And like that sounds like an apology, but that also sounds like something that could very possibly be a mind game that was actually going on. All that I find really interesting. It's like. Me too. It, it's arguments that I feel more torn about is like if they have the screenplay to Spectre and they leak it, does that ruin this movie that we've learned also through this leak might be one of the most expensive like blockbusters of all time? I mean, what was it? What was the movie that had like someone threw the script away in like St. Louis in a trash can and we like got the whole plot of it? I mean, like, wasn't Avengers, like, Samuel Jackson's copy got lost somewhere? Something like, like that. Yes, he left like, in a I mean, hotel. Those kinds, of, those, kinds of scripts, like, those kinds of script leaks happen all the time, and they will continue to happen, like, regardless of whether they're, whether or not they're hackers. But I don't think those ruin a movie. I, I, mean, I don't know that they're helpful to know, and I wouldn't, if the script, the Spectre, was out there, I wouldn't read it. But I don't think that it's damaging in its very existence to this movie that doesn't exist yet. So is there any problem with this hack? I mean, yeah, is there any... it's illegal and it's an invasion of privacy and it's not things like it makes it so that people can't do their jobs properly because they feel unsafe at all times. It's ruining relationships. I think there's this thing that people think that Hollywood people aren't real people and therefore it doesn't matter if like, you know, David Fincher is then caught on the record insulting Adam Driver. I mean, that's going to come back to bite him at some point. It sucks. So for all the things that you've said about other people in emails, you wouldn't want those out there. Like there's a, you know, there's a golden ruleness to it that I totally object to but that doesn't mean that i haven't been fascinated by it yeah and there's also in terms of the stuff that we've uh, we've been getting fascinated in it's like not great but at least it's like gossipy like if the goal if you're north korea and your goal is to punish sony for making the interview you don't want people to watch the interview you want attention to be everywhere else so the fact that we're talking about spider-man and specter uh when one movie is not in production at all and the other movie started production today i think i think last uh, week yeah it's um sort of interesting that we're also running up to the interview which is coming out on christmas and that's when they're promising some sort of like christmas gift or another round of like sony devastation so in that sense, it's like it's it, it's sort of working. If they're that's they're promoting the, goal. the interview, and d- doesn't everyone now want to go see the movie that made North Korea so mad they hacked Sony? Well, they leaked it, so now at least if they do, you know, it's not. Gonna they leaked the whole go... movie or just the ending? Well, they leaked the part that they think is going to invalidate 
people seeing the interview. That's I think like the the ultimate goal of it is. If you're people... going to see the interview for the ending, then you're not seeing a Seth Rogen that movie is for the right reasons. That Fair is enough. Definitely but true. The flip side that we haven't been focusing on is that there's also. I mean, we don't know the sophistication of this attack, but apparently some people have been crying foul as to Sony's internal structure as to how it protects employee information and what ha- what not and what have you. So it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how this affects, uh, I guess, how if there's any sort of um, s- civil or litigious action coming out from Sony employees that were really exposed by the company at this point. Like, yeah, it was North Korea, but, you know, all the passwords were in a folder called passwords, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked for a major corporation. I feel like at some point my email is going to get hacked too. Like it almost, you know, it doesn't have to be a reality, but I feel like you have to prepare for it and it's going to really suck. That's why people yeah. have to watch Citizen 4. You have to get prepared. You have to use like alternate versions of the internet and start encrypting your email and get paranoid, you know? Yeah. You can start encrypting Gchat. <laughs> oh, start man, do I have to? Yeah, G-chats. I should probably leave Google. That's probably the first one. Well, that's probably, Don't Edward, use no, Edward Snowden definitely does not use Gchat. No, no. <laughs> we all oh. need to start like an encrypted document for the top tens next week. <laughs> so that no one leaks them. Why so no, it, one, no one leaks it. Why does this whole thing just depress me so much? Why do I have yeah, an investment? You seem really convinced that it's like bad for culture, which I yeah. don't. I mean, it's bad for a lot of different things, but I don't think movie culture is really damaged by this. I it's do hard for me to make the argument that this is something that A, isn't happening everywhere besides Sony, which might also be coloring my opinion, but B, that like this exposing it is anything but egg on the face of really powerful people. Yeah, you have super issues over Sony and their Spider-Man nonsense. Like, you're too invested. You you are probably behind this hack. And by saying well, uh, it, you're now going wow. to be arrested. But, I wow. mean, I would like to point <laughs> Hi, out Dave. that all my Spider-Man reporting was sourced, not hacked. That's true, but, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, not even... Not even that. I'm talking about like the way they the way they're they're making movies and the way things are talked about internally and the relationships they have with like their core stars. Amy Pascal might be a little bit better known for that, but I don't think like any of these bad behaviors are not happening at like Warner Brothers. I'm not. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, any studio's emails naive. would read exactly. I mean, they don't have Scott Rudin, but they would read exactly like that. I mean, God, Harvey Weinstein's emails would be classics. So if they're going to make a couple Sony movies bomb, what patches is the overall harm done to the movie community beyond that? I guess the positive thing here is that no hacker is going to download Annie and watch it because (laughs) what the fuck? Unless they're really creepy. (laughs) Annie should be safe. Annie will be safe. Um, I mean, we talk about this all the time on the show just like separating ourselves from these meta narratives of movies and if that's important or not um and and to a degree i'm i mean i'm not david in this respect which is total like removal of that stuff but i mean because i read movie news and i'm curious about what's happening in the industry um but this is like next level stuff and there's crusaders out there who feel like it's the responsibility to to report everything that's been leaked and it's pretty unavoidable. Like, I don't know how you can be uh, active on social media and avoid everything that's been thrown out there by people who think it's their duty to 
uncover all this information. Um, and it must be difficult to be a movie fan right now when you have... I mean, I just don't want to hear Paul Feig talk about his casting choices for Ghostbusters. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's pulling back the curtain that. in that way kind of takes some of the fun out of it when it eventually happens. Or you just feel like that these ideas will be out there um, and imaginations run wild, and that's what kills them, right? It can't. It doesn't happen because of that. Uh, you know, one of the most well, interesting bits has been uh, 21 Jump Street meets Men in Black, uh, which <laughs> sounds absurd and fun. Uh, and I don't know if it's a positive or negative thing to put it out there or not. It just seems like it, it kills the idea so quickly to expose it. It's almost like you have to culture a movie in a laboratory, and if you expose it to oxygen, it dies. You know, it's, it's the laboratory, the project has been has been terminated. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's that scientific, but that's what it feels like to me, this whole thing. It's icky. Uh, I mean, as someone who is at the complete opposite end of the spectrum of you in terms of spoilers, I would make the, the argument that's like, the weirder thing to me is seeing all these people or all these entertainment sites and publications coming out and saying they're not going to cover anything from the Sony hacks because, like, I get it, and that is your point as a publisher or editor. If it's your job and it falls to you on the ladder to decide whether or not something's newsworthy, I'm not going to knock you for making that call. But to say that all of these things are not newsworthy and then I get to go watch your YouTube in bed of the five seconds of the Jurassic World trailer that's going to come out in two days, you really just have to, like, question, like, what... Yeah, but it's not what about the, the content. Your... It's about the source. It's always about the source. It's not about... Uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's about enabling these hackers, this malicious attack. Yeah, it's about participating in a crime, like, which is... I mean, I mean, yeah, but there's a the terrorists well, I mean, win if you post about that. Arguably, we're, in a legal we're stance now. is an argument we won't probably we probably won't be having. It's too widespread. This isn't like uh, what was the thing like uh, the Wolverine uh, X Men Origins Wolverine causing Fox to like send FBI agents all around the world tracking down a leak. I can't see because so much has been placed on North Korea and because this is so widespread and ongoing, all of a sudden everybody being complicit in like a criminal act. Well, Wait, you don't think that that's part of what, what the terrorists want is for you to disseminate it? Oh, I think that's definitely what the terrorists want. I'm just not sure that's participating in a criminal act. Hmm. Well, like, I'm, okay. I'm less so worried patches, about that. I'm w- less worried about... Who Paul Feige, you know, <laughs> met with, but doesn't have the emails. So that, now it's up to Patches if he wants to tell people. Here's really, this is what my apocalyptic vision is, that this uh, attack on Sony instigates other people or prompts them to go after, in the same way, other studios and get all this information out there, and it's complete transparency, and what transparency leads to is, like, ceasing development. There's no productivity in hollywood anymore and the little like artistry we can create in the studio system is gone forever like i don't know could this lead 50 years from now if people keep hacking and keep exposing uh is it the downfall of all of cinema that's that's the post-apocalyptic wow, vision I've had. and then and then I've... terminator genesis happens that's what oh, we're yeah. leading that's what this hack leads that to that happened before this hack. and that looked like shit so 
I think the more apocalyptic scenario is more of the Edward Snowden idea that these leaks happen and that we kind of gleefully read them and lose the sense that your email is expected to be private and that we all kind of expect for things to be hacked. I mean, we already what kind the of expect hell? that the government's reading our emails. Like, why wouldn't, like, expecting to be hacked be next? And that's a good thing? No, I think it's the terrible scenario. I think the idea of, like, losing your grip on privacy is something, you know, it's not really the point of what this is, but I think it's a very possible outcome is because a lot of people are really blasé about these emails being out there. Hmm. I guess to cap it off, I'll provide a third option for you, listener, to decide <laughs> So that isn't own. the apocalypse? Oh, no, it, it could be the apocalypse. Depends on how you take it. But here's your super liberal option from fighting in the war room. If blockbuster filmmaking is a limb and there's a wound on the limb and we don't treat it and now we have to amputate the limb, maybe the sort of infection virus might be some sort of weird outrising of outrage from the public that isn't about your stupid, crappy Spider-Man movie, but something else entirely. Ebb and flow of the subconscious that we all share, guys. Think about it. That does it for today's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back at the end of this week with a review segment. I think touching on a couple things. There's uh, there's movies to galore out there this time of year. Uh, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. They're all on the internet already. <laughs> uh, don't download. I am Matt Patches. I write on the internet all over the place. Try and put everything on my personal website, mattpatches.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And two things. One, we have a website, fightinginthewarroom.com. We can leave comments and thoughts and questions and we can share the podcast. Also, we have a Facebook page and all our episodes are up there too. So anything, any, and you will not get hacked there. I think. Right, Dave? Dave, you can promise that. Correct. Okay. You, I can promise you will. Well, what if North you, Korea hacks us? I'm now, you, we're now provoking will not be hacked, but on our <laughs> website. We're totally getting hacked now. Shit. Yeah. You just taunted North Korea. Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. I spell my name D-A-7-E. Uh, it's also my Twitter handle. I write about the superhero movie news and Star Wars, Latino-Review.com. You could also hear me talk about comic books with Joanna Robinson on the Thought Bubble every Wednesday on this feed. It is a Q&A show about comic books and comic book co- adjacent culture. Also, you're listening to Fighting in the War Room. You should give us a call at 914-410-6450. I'm going to do something with those voicemails, guys. This time, what I want to ask you, what was your favorite TV thing of 2014? Call in. You can say Beyonce at the Grammys, even though I said it last week. You can. Everybody should just say Beyonce at the Grammys. Just five minutes of people saying Beyonce at the Grammys. Just people going, EXO! Just over and over again. Um... I'm Katie Rich. I'm going to do two things. You can find us. Well, first of all, you can find me at VanityFair.com and on Twitter at Katie Rich. Uh, you can find all of us in two places at Facebook, Fighting in the War Room, and on Twitter at FITWR, which is also a really great place to answer this week's lightning round question, which was In honor of Annie, what's the most annoying music number involving kids? Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you on Friday.